0: Hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Well, welcome to
1: this edition of Common Sense Investing. It's the spectacular Edition for all you ghouls and goblins. I hope you had a great Halloween. This is Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. Did you know that Americans spent more than $9.1 billion on costumes, candies, and parties this year? That's according to the National Retail Federation. And I got curious what did most people dress up as this year? So I went to Google. Where else would you go, right? The most popular costumes based on search data from Google were. Drum roll, please. Wonder Woman, Harley Quinn, which was my daughter's choice this year, a clown, which my daughter tells me I look like sometimes, a unicorn, a rabbit, a witch, a mouse, the ever popular pirate, zombie, and the dinosaur. I was kind of surprised I didn't see princess on this list, but if you're dressing up as a princess, you probably don't need Google anyhow. As far as candy is concerned, The most popular choice nationwide seems to be Reese's Peanut Butter Cups made by Hershey's. And I won't argue with that choice. I kind of like Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. With almost $3 billion being spent on these delicious sugary treats each year, I thought I'd take a look at Hershey's, symbol H-S-Y. It's trading around $106, which is only slightly higher than than where it was at the beginning of the year. So it's maybe up 2% 2% for the year. Now, Hershey's is one of those long-term, steady-eddy type companies with their earnings growing on average of 6.5% per year for the last 10 years and over 10% per year on average for the last five years. I would suspect that over the long term, you're looking at a 5 to 6% earnings grower here. But then, Then you throw on top the 2.5% dividend that they pay, and you add those two together, the growth and the dividend, and you have a decent 7% type total return story here. You look at Hershey's. They have a decent balance sheet, steady growth, and pretty predictable earnings. So you would expect them to trade at higher than the market multiple. And right now, using my earnings estimates, they're trading at about 20 times next year's earnings, which may sound high, right? But it's actually near the bottom of the range over the last 15 years. For you, ultra conservative long term investors, well, you might want to take a look at HSY. But remember, you always do your own research. You don't buy something because you heard it on the podcast or you read it in the magazine. That just is not good common sense. Good common sense would tell you, do your research, make sure it's appropriate for you. If you don't manage your own money, well, consult with your advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. Let's take a couple minutes. Let's talk about the big picture and I'll try not to scare you here. Actually, things look pretty darn good. And I'm usually pretty skeptical when it comes to the economy and the markets. If you haven't noticed, and I'm guessing you probably have, the market's gone up over the last six weeks. We've had a solid start to the earnings seasons, season, excuse me. more legislative progress on the GOP's tax plan, and a narrowing of the candidates for the Fed chair, all which seem agreeable to the market. Right now, we have three big factors at work. First is the economy. Last Friday, we got third quarter GDP report. And despite the impact of hurricanes Harvey and Irma, GDP came in at an impressive 3% gain. And when I looked at it, the composition of the report has me thinking that the fourth quarter is going to be even stronger. At 2.3% year over year change in the GDP, that's close to the Fed's 2017 forecast of 2.4%, just a hair shy. And it's above the long-range forecast of 1.8%. What's that mean? Well, the implication for investors here is that since the economy is growing faster than its long-term potential, the labor markets will continue to tighten and inflation is set to move higher. Accordingly, there's a 90% chance that the Fed raises rates in December, and maybe three more times next year as inflation climbs back to two percent. Secondly, earnings. The third quarter is off to a strong start with both earnings per share and sales growth well ahead of consensus expectations. Just about 55% of the companies in the s and have reported so far with 74%, that's right, 74% beating earnings, and 67% have beat their revenue expectations. The average earnings growth is a solid 7% and revenue growth at 5% versus last year. And I'll tell you, the strength is pretty broad based with earnings increasing in 8 of 11 sectors. People are talking about some of the the weakness in the financials. And when I look at the financials, the earnings were down 7.3%. But if you exclude the impact of the hurricanes on the insurance and reinsurance companies, earnings were actually up 4.7%. So pretty decent here. Earnings per share were particularly strong in the energy companies, up 164%. And I've been saying my opinion is that oil is going back to 60. Tech is up 18%, healthcare up 7%. These are great numbers. My guess is that earnings per share growth is peaking and probably slows down through next year. But that also excludes any benefit we might get from a new tax plan. So I think earnings will continue to be a tailwind for the market, albeit a slower one. Now, the third leg of this stool I'm talking about has been low yields. Lower yields equal higher market valuations. It's that simple. If your choice, if you have two choices, and one of them is to buy a 1% CD or to take some risk in equities, most people are going to take their chances in equities. And that's what's what we've had happen over the last five years. Now, as rates rise they become an impediment for valuations. I believe yields will rise, but won't be a headwind for stocks yet. Yet is in capitals. Rising yields because of growth without rising inflation are good for stocks. This will change when inflation hits 2% and those inflation expectations start to rise in the future. So to sum this up, you have good economic growth, not only here, but worldwide. Earnings growth have been strong, and they should remain good for a while. And you have yields that aren't posing any credible threat to stocks yet. Now, with that said, I do think the chances of a 5 or 10% correction have increased. And if it does happen, I would be a buyer of the dip, as they say. Be cheap, be value-oriented, and be prepared. Let's take a uh, step away, take a short break so I can eat some of my recently acquired peanut butter cups here. And when we come back, we'll talk about fizzy drinks and tools. This is Eric Whiteman for Common Sense Investing. We are back in a moment. You've worked hard. You've saved and invested along the way. Now you want to make sure all your hard work pays off so you can do what matters most to you. Whether it's giving back to your community or ensuring a safe, comfortable retirement, it's never too late to start planning. Now's the time to get the advice you deserve. Hi, this is Eric Whiteman of the XML Financial Group. If you want someone who can help you navigate the investment landscape, then please visit us at our website xmlfg.com or call us at 301-770-5234 Well, welcome back to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman. So glad you could join us today. I got a question on Pepsi, symbol P-E-P. The stock has fallen about $10 over the last month or so. And if you have a question for the show, email us at podcast at xmlfg.com. Once again, it's podcast, which is plural, at xmlfg.com. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to lump in all the fizzy drinker drink makers into this. So we have Pepsi symbol PEP, Coca-Cola symbol KO, Dr Pepper Snapple which is DPS and Monster symbol MNST. Now, I don't think they've given up enough ground to be able to buy them here. I'm just I can't get interested in them. And remember, I'm cheap. That's just the way I am. I'm cheap when it comes to to the stock market. And the reason I say this is primarily because Bever beverage shipments have been declining, meaning demand is shrinking and earnings will probably continue to suffer. Coke and Pepsi both reported declining revenues and profits this last quarter. And even though the stock prices have pulled back a bit, the group as a whole still sports a 20% premium to the market with much worse growth prospects. Out of the four I mentioned, Pepsi, symbol PEP, that would be the one I'd prefer if I got a chance because it has both the drinks division and the snacks division. So, it's more diversified than a company like Coke or Dr. Pepper, Dr. Pepper, excuse me. Now, I'd be willing to step up and do some buying here at the right price. I'd be willing to buy a half a position at 20 times earnings, which May sound high, but it probably isn't crazy for the type of company that it is and how it's traded over the last 15 years. That means if they could earn $5.50 next year and you pay that 20 times earnings, well, you're looking at a stock price of 101. That's where I'd be interested in buying a half a position, 101. Right now, the stock is at about 110. So it's not near, but I'll put it on my list in case we do get this correction I've been talking about. Coca-Cola, well, KO trades at an even higher multiple, multiple, but pays a bigger dividend. Monster, symbol MNST, I, well, I just can't touch that because it's trading at more than 40 times, decelerating earnings. I just can't even consider that. And DPS, Dr. Pepper, even though it has the lowest multiple of the four, four, it's still trading well above its historical averages. And it really faces two tough competitors in Coke and Pepsi in a very challenging environment. So again, I would prefer Pepsi symbol PEP, but I'm going to have to wait for a better price. Let's wrap up today with some brief conversation on beneficiary designation. It's something I think that we we don't give enough thought on. Most of the time, we're making these decisions when we're contending with a whole bunch of other issues, like when we start a new job, right? We're sitting down, we're filling out all the paperwork, we're looking at our healthcare options, our 401k, allocations and all that stuff in there. And we don't think about them. And when we go on the computer at night to check and see how our portfolios have done for the day or the week, nothing pops up that tells me, hey, check your designations or you know, it doesn't come in on the statements saying that we should review it. Heck, some of you out there may not have checked them for years now. And let's face it, along the way, life has changed. So I urge you to go back and take a look at your beneficiary designations soon. Do it before the end of the year. When you do this, here are four things I want you to consider. Keep in mind, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a tax advisor. As a matter of fact, I didn't even sleep at a Holiday Inn last night, but here are the four things I want you to consider. One, when it comes to IRAs and 401ks, Only spouses have the opportunity to roll over those accounts into their own IRAs. And depending on their age, your spouse's age, it might make sense to have your spouse receive these assets and look at the other accounts, like taxable accounts, to pass on to someone else. If you're looking to pass on to, say, the children or something, if you earmark the kids as beneficiaries for your 401s or your IRAs, They have the option of rolling it into an inherited IRA, not their own, an inherited IRA, which has specific rules on distributions. It can get complicated, so you do need to consult with your advisors. Number two, you can name contingent beneficiaries, and I suggest that you do so. If your spouse is the first beneficiary, right? That's what most people do name your spouse, your significant other. Well, You can also name the kids or whoever you want as a contingent in case something happens to your first beneficiary. Name as many as you need. Just because the form only has maybe one or two or four spaces doesn't mean you're limited to those. If you need to put it down on a separate piece of paper, then do it and ask for confirmation back from your broker or what have you. But again, don't limit yourself just because there's only a certain number of lines there. Number three, and I see this happens happen all the time, make sure your beneficiaries sync up with the other parts of your estate plan. So if you've gone to a lawyer and you've just had a trust or a will drawn up, well, make sure the beneficiaries are correct. The beneficiary designations on your account will generally trump what's in the other documents, and that may not be what you want. So you want to make sure everything is aligned. Keep that in mind. And the last thing I'll give you to consider is for your individual taxable accounts. Now, taxable accounts don't have beneficiaries, but for your individual taxable accounts, You can add a beneficiary by putting on a TOD or POD designation. That's uh, transfer on death or payable on death. You can add those designations to your individual accounts, and it's cheap. It's cheap, it's easy, and those assets won't get caught or shouldn't get caught up in probate, in the probate process. And if you've been through that, it's just a nightmare. Well, I'll tell you. That's all we have time for today. We are back next Wednesday with fresh ideas. And until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them.
0: The opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the host and may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Information provided should not be construed as personalized investment advice or a solicitation to buy or sell any security or engage in a particular investment strategy. You should consult your personal financial advisor before investing to make sure an investment is appropriate for your situation. Furthermore, this information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax or legal advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific situation with a qualified tax or legal advisor. Investing strategies such as asset allocation, diversification, or rebalancing do not assure or guarantee better performance and cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses. There are no guarantees that a portfolio employing these or any other strategy will outperform a portfolio that does not engage in such strategies. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.